Find in your place, take your Bible and turn to Psalm 103, please. Psalm 103, and we're going to read five verses out of this psalm. And tonight I just want to take a look at this passage of Scripture, and I want us to just brag on the Lord for a little bit tonight. Amen? And praise Him for who He is. Psalm 103, let's begin in verse 1. You follow along. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles." The older I get, uh, it, it seems that I'm getting more and more forgetful. Um, I've never really been prone to be forgetful. And, but the older I get and the more things that there are to manage and, and all of that, the more I need to write things down or put it in my calendar so that I don't forget. And, and there are times even, I'm ashamed to say, when I walk into a room and I'm like, okay, what did I come in here for again? You ever had that? Don't even lie. I know it. Don't even lie. You have it too. And uh, it's like there's just a lot of stuff going on. And you're moving and, and, all, and managing and all those things. And it's, and it's, it, it's uh, uh, I forget. And I don't want to forget. I don't like to forget or be forgetful. Um, there are things, it seems, that we don't forget, though. Like, for example, we can remember all kinds of things especially what others have done to us or said about us. You know how you just kind of stew on stuff and you think about it and like you remember those kinds of things. And, but it seems as though often we have a very short memory when it comes to recalling how good God has always been to us. Um, David had this problem. And in these verses here, especially the first two, I'm going to read them again. David calls upon his soul to remember what the Lord has done. And David is trying to stir up himself and the inner man to get him thinking again about what he has in God and what the Lord has promised him and what the Lord has done for him. And so David calls upon his soul here to do two things. Notice he says in verse 1, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And so first of all, David calls upon his soul to praise the Lord. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul. The word bless here, it means to kneel with the idea of adoration and praise. And so David is, is, is telling himself, God is worthy of, of all the praise that I could ever render to him. And David wants his soul to be involved in praising the Lord. Secondly, he calls upon his soul to ponder the Lord. He challenges his soul not to forget what the Lord has done for him. And tonight I'm going to preach on this subject and encourage us tonight in the Lord, we're going to talk about the benefits or the blessings that the soul forgets. The benefits or blessings that the soul 
forgets. David challenges his soul to not forget what the Lord has done for him. I want you to note something here. Notice in verse 3, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things. All the these, the thines, the thy, all of it refers to his own soul. So David's talking to himself, and he's talking about all the things that God has done for him. And David says, don't forget. Don't forget. He's talking to his soul. Don't forget all the benefits of the Lord. This word forget, it's far more than just failing to remember something. The word carries the idea of turning from God to follow after other gods. You know what? A lapse in spiritual memory will cause the saint of God to begin to wander. David wants his soul to contemplate all the benefits which the Lord has given to him. And so David says, bless the Lord, O my soul. And he says also, don't forget all of his benefits. You know what the the word benefits means here? It means dealings. And it refers to to how the Lord treats the soul. In other words, what he's saying is you need to bless the Lord and you need to not turn away from God who treats your soul in a way that is always good for you. It's how God deals with you and how good it is for your soul. I find it interesting that the root word for benefits here in Hebrew is also the same word or root word for camel. You know, the animal, the camel. And that's interesting because for people living in the Middle East, the camel and its importance, it cannot be overstated. The camel was called the ship of the desert. And the camel would carry great burdens over long distances through harsh terrain. The camel could survive for long periods of time with little food and little water. They were essential to travelers who would wish to cross those desert sands and arrive safely at their other destination. In fact, in Bible times, a man's wealth was often measured in how many camels he owned. You remember Job as he was described as a man of great wealth? The point is, Like camels, the benefits of God, the dealings of God in our soul, is able to transport the saint of God across the vast, barren desert of life sometimes. And the man who enjoys the blessings of God is actually rich beyond measure, even though we might possess very little in the way of worldly goods. Sometimes the soul forgets just how good God has been and continues to be to his children. You understand what I'm saying? Is it not true that we allow ourselves to get caught up in the problems and the troubles of life? Appreciated the songs tonight. I must tell Jesus all of my trials. But we get caught up in the troubles and the trials of life, so much so that we forget where it was that the Lord found us and what the Lord actually did for us and where the Lord is taking us. 
We can forget where we've come from. We can be guilty of allowing our eyes to wander from the Lord. We can be guilty of allowing our focus to become man-centered instead of God-centered. And far too often we are guilty of forgetting how blessed we are in the Lord. Sometimes my soul forgets just who God is and what He's done for me. And I need the reminder of the benefits that I enjoy as a child of God. And so tonight, as the Lord gives liberty, I want to point out the blessings or the benefits that the soul forgets. And if you're here tonight and you are struggling with something, maybe some burdens and some trials, and you've allowed your soul to forget the things that God has done for you, then there's a message here for you tonight. If you're guilty of allowing the burdens of life and the actions of others to influence you, even away from the Lord or to control you, so that your eyes are off of the Lord, there's a message here for you tonight. And we need to remember and be reminded again of how good God really is. So let's break this passage down. Let's look at some things that David talks about here. Make some applications for ourselves tonight and ask the Lord to help us uh, that we might say, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is in with me. Bless His holy name. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you'd help us tonight. Just encourage us with these thoughts. Get our eyes back on the Lord and fixed on you, and Lord, to rejoice in how good you are. Men will fail. They always will. We will fail. Others as well. We can be fickle, and we can be, um, we can be a friend, and then we can also be a foe. We're back and forth so much. Lord, you never fail. Lord, you're the one constant in our life, and how could we ever forget how good you are to us? It's so easy, though, in this world, and so easy to be entangled with life that we fail to praise you and bless you and kneel before you with praise as we ought to. And so, Lord, I pray that as we focus on Christ tonight, Lord, that our hearts would be encouraged, and Lord, that we would give you the praise that you are worthy of. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. First thing I want you to note with me is in verse 3. So we're talking about the benefits that the soul forgets. Notice what David says. He says, Who forgiveth all thine iniquities. One of the benefits that the soul forgets sometimes is that as a sinner, God forgives. God has forgiven me. And you say, well, I don't forget that the Lord has forgiven me. Well, maybe not in the sense that I have forgotten that my soul is saved, but maybe in the sense that we don't offer up praise to the Lord as much as we ought to. And remembering where He found us and what He's brought us from. Man's greatest need here makes the top of David's list. David says here, "...who forgiveth..." All thine iniquities. He uses the word iniquities here. The word means bent or crookedness. And it refers to the evil bent in our nature that pulls us towards sin. And it brings to mind the fact that we're that not only uh, am I a sinner and, and, and that I've sinned, but it also points to the fact that I constantly do it. I sin then, I sin now, and I will ever be a sinner as long as I am in this body. And yet, he forgiveth all thine iniquities, the iniquities of the soul. 
He takes our sins and it means that he puts them away from him forever. Obviously, he did that through the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross of Calvary. Hebrews 9.26 says, But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. John 1 in verse 29, John the Baptist was talking to his followers and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And as a child of God, may we never forget that my sin, past, present, and future, has been put away through the gift of God in Jesus Christ. In Psalm 103, In verse 12, he says, As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. What a blessing that we should not forget. That that I was once a sinner. I was lost. That I was an enemy of God. And, and the long, I've said this before, the longer that we are saved and the more you know, right we are in doctrine, sometimes we get on an attitude of us that, 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 that I'm not necessarily something special, but I forget what I once was and how the Lord rescued me. Now, he says he forgiveth all thine iniquities. Does that mean that we're sinless? Of course not. We sin. And the accuser of the brethren stands before God and accuses us and points out our sin. But when he does that, what do we have? We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And when the accuser points his finger at us and he says, You see that? You see that, God? You see what he did? Jesus Christ shows his nail-pierced hands and he says, I don't know what you're talking about. It's under the blood. That person's a child of God. They're righteous through the blood of the Lamb. Their sins are forgiven and they're forgotten. Amen? Amen. As a sinner, He forgives me. He's forgiven me. How can my soul ever forget that? How could I be so foolish as to become distracted? So much so, so even by trivial and mundane things in life, that I fail to give God the praise for what He's done for my soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Sometimes we forget it, and we don't praise the Lord as often as we ought to for His salvation. When was the last time you really thanked the Lord for saving your soul? I mean really thank the Lord. When was the last time you did that? I did it yesterday. Did you do it today? You say, Lord, thank you for saving me, for changing me from what I was, for what you're doing in my life. It's a thankful heart, is what the psalmist is talking about. Secondly, look in verse 3 again. He says, Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. You know, this is a benefit, the way that God deals with the soul. As a sick man, he heals me. You know what? These bodies we wear are often afflicted with sickness and disease. But this verse is not referring to some kind of physical healing here. He's not referring to physical disease. Um, It's not always God's will to heal his people from physical afflictions. We know that to be true. What he's referring to is sickness of the soul. 
Our soul is subject to many terrible maladies, if you will, like lust, hate, greed, jealousy, discouragement, depression, anger, fear, guilt, doubt, and I could go on and on and on. And I'm certain that all the things I've mentioned, you're all somewhere resonating with something in there. That's just to name a few. And just as surely as the disease of the body can take away the physical life, listen, the disease of the soul can deaden us toward the things of God and leave us lifeless and weak. How many people suffering from depression cannot figure it out and just cannot get it together in their life? And how many people suffering from depression or discouragement are not praising the Lord for all of His benefits? Are you in the right frame of mind? When you're like, uh, and discouraged? I'm not. But thank the Lord, He has a remedy for the diseases of the soul. He healeth all thy diseases. The word healeth, and notice every one of these, it kind of ends in E-T-H. And what that means is that every one of them is present tense. It's not something that happened a while ago or a long time ago. It's something that's continual and present tense. It's present tense like all of them. Each day, the divine physician visits with us through His grace, and He tenderly and effectively wants to work in the soul to heal from those maladies. And listen, to effect that healing, though, we've got to do our part. And we need to take the remedy that He's offering us. Go to Psalm 107, since we're here. And look at verse 17, Psalm 107 and verse 17. He says, Fools, because of their transgression and because of their iniquities, are afflicted. Their soul abhorreth all manner of meat, and they draw near unto the gates of death. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and He saveth them out of their distresses. Notice this, He sent His word and healeth them, and delivered them from their destructions. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. According to this psalm, what is it that heals them from their destructions and their distresses? His Word. He says, He cried unto them in their trouble, and He sent His Word and heals their soul. What I'm saying is, when we're looking to all kinds of things other than God and His Word for the, as the right source and the power of, 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 for healing, we're looking in the wrong places. We've got to take the remedy that He offers. How many promises does the Lord give to us regarding the joy of the Lord and how God is our refuge and God is our strength, a very present help in trouble. How many times do we, do we read over or miss out altogether the remedy that's right there for us and we stay in our discouragement and we stay in our depression and we stay defeated when the answer's right there, if we'll really believe it. If we'll really believe it. 
Listen, what I'm saying is it's not God's will for us to stay discouraged and defeated. And we don't have to stay in that place of discouragement. We don't have to stay in a place of depression. We don't have to stay in a place of fear or doubt. The question is, do you believe it? I know it's a struggle. I know. I know. I battle with it. But when I think back to things that I've walked through in life, and I think of the help and the healing that I've received of the Lord, what can I say but bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Amen. Yeah, we have struggles and we have fears and doubts and discouragement and there's problems with lust and hate and greed and jealousy and anger and we have all of those fleshly emotions and feelings that can affect us and sometimes it can put us down into a rut but it's not the will of god for us to stay there amen he sends his word and he heals them if we'll take the remedy he offers that is a benefit of god we don't, we don't have to live the same way that those out in the world live. Amen? We have the Lord. And He has, gives benefits to the soul. As a sick man, He heals me. Go back to our text in Psalm 103. He forgives my iniquities as a sinner. As a sick man, he heals me. And verse 4, who redeemeth thy life from destruction. The third thing is as a slave, he redeems me. Every soul that enters this world is a slave to sin. You may be here tonight and you've never heard that before. But the Bible says in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says... In Galatians chapter 3 and verse 22, that the Scripture hath concluded all under sin. We're born already slaves to sin. We don't have a white slate, and when we do some bad things, we get a black mark on our white slate, and then that just accumulates over time, and we get all these black marks on our white slate. See, we were good when we first started, but now, no, that's not how we're born. We're born with a black slate. We're born already under sin. And there's no good in us. And the Scripture hath concluded all under sin. We're slaves to our nature, our sinful nature. The Bible says that, that, that we come forth from the womb speaking lies. You don't have to teach a child how to sin. You don't have to teach a child how to tell a lie. It comes in our nature. It's what we are. We're slaves to sin. Every soul, because of sin, is headed for the horrible conclusion. Because Romans 6.23 says the wages of our sin is death. That's where we're headed because of our sin nature. But God, in His love and in His mercy, provides redemption for the slave to sin. Jesus Christ came into the world, paid the price for our redemption on the cross of Calvary. The Bible says, Galatians in chapter 4 and verse 4, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Colossians 1.14, In whom we have redemption through His blood, 
even the forgiveness of sins. When we are slave to sin, we're headed for an eternity in hell. But when Jesus Christ comes in, we're delivered from the slavery of our sin and we have heavenly hope. Did you know the word redeem? It means to buy back. But it means a little bit more than just to buy back. It means to buy back and never return again. It's a word that was used of those who were put up on the slave market and they were sold as slaves and they'd be put up on the blocks and people would come by and look and I want that one and they would buy the slave. And, and, and the word redeemed means to buy back or to purchase, to never return again. And that's what Jesus Christ did when he shed his blood. He purchased us, amen, redeemed our soul to never return to the slavery of sin again. The word redeemeth, it's present tense. The redemption that we enjoy as the children of God, listen, will never falter. It'll never fail until we arrive safe home in glory. Amen? When I think of the fact that I was once a slave to sin, but now I'm free from the bondage of sin and the curse of sin and the penalty of sin, we ought to, if that really grips the soul of what God has done for us, we ought to say, bless the Lord, O my soul. Every single person here who's born again, if you're saved, listen, every us would have squandered the life of our soul by seeking things that could never satisfy. And it only leads to destruction. But thank the Lord that He intervened. Amen? Amen. That He purchased my soul and redeemed my soul. We sing a song. The words say, Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the folds of God. He to rescue me from danger interpose His precious blood. How could my soul forget such a blessing? It does from time to time. At least the gravity of it, the impact of it. But when I remember how blessed I am that I've been redeemed because of Jesus Christ, at the end of the day, those are the things that really anchor the soul. And the problems of life start to fade into insignificance because God becomes more glorious than ever in my life. He's amazing. Amen. Look at verse 4. Notice this next one. He says, Who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. I want you to be thinking tonight. Put, put your thinking caps on as they say like put yourself in this situation listen as a child of God we should not this is glorious truth here they should not just go in one in the ear and out the other it it really would be a reflection of somebody who has forgotten the benefits of the Lord it ought to bless your soul the Bible says he crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. This is what God does for you. You know the word crowneth here? It comes from the root word that means to encircle or to encompass for protection. So get the word picture here. He crowneth thee. He's encircled you. He's encompassed you for protection. And we're told that he crowns his children with loving kindness and tender mercies. 
The word loving kindness, it corresponds with the New Testament word that we know as grace. What does grace mean? Unmerited favor, right? But what else does grace mean? Somebody tell me. Come on, you got to be thinking. I say this all the time. Divine enablement. That's what grace is. So get the word picture here. He's encircled you and encompassed you with loving kindness, with his grace, with his divine enabling. Thank God for his grace in this life. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, and remember Paul said this regarding all of his afflictions. He said, uh, he said I, I don't want these afflictions. And God said to him, <coughs> excuse me, my grace is sufficient for thee. Paul said God's grace was connected to the power of Christ. How do I know that? <clears throat> because he said, my grace is sufficient for, for thee. And then Paul says, most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities that what? The power of Christ may rest upon me. He's talking about the grace of God in connection with the power of Christ. That's why grace is divine enabling. You're protected with his loving kindness. Divine enabling. He also surrounds us or encircles us with tender mercies. That carries the idea of compassion and tender love. His grace is matchless and marvelous and powerful, but his tender mercies are glorious beyond our ability to explain them. When I see this word, tender mercies, what comes to my mind, and especially when I'm thinking of a father-son relationship, he, God is our father, I'm his son, it brings to mind the, the tender touch of a mother, and it brings to mind the strong hand of a father. What does that do in the life of a child? The tender touch of a mother and the strong hand of a father. There's something about a mother's touch and there's something about the strength of a father that communicates to the child love and peace and safety, the safety and well-being of that child. It brings contentment, it brings safety, it brings peace into my life that I am protected. Ever, you know, does that resonate? Does that make any sense? That's present tense, too, just like all the others. Thank the Lord for His loving kindness and His tender mercies. Listen, as we pass through the harsh and difficult life that sometimes we have to live. Lamentations 3.22, one of my favorite verses. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. What a great, great thought. If it wasn't for the mercy of God, the tender mercy of God, I'd be consumed, right? Why am I not? Because His compassions fail not. They're new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Notice also that He doesn't just give mercies. He gives tender mercies. He doesn't just give kindness. He gives loving kindness. You notice that? It tells us something about God, the character of God. 
God always operates in the superlative. You know what that means? It means of the highest quality and degree. That's how God is. In creation, the Bible says in Genesis 1 and verse 20, let the waters bring forth abundantly. In victory, the Bible says that God triumphs gloriously. In salvation, it says, it tells us that He's able to save to the uttermost. The point is, is that God moves in the realm of overabundance. You know, we say things like, well, Jesus is all that I need. And that's true, but here's the point. God operates in the arena of more than enough. And we, 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 we say it in like, well, Jesus is all that I need. He's just enough. Hey, but listen, when God moves in your life, when Jesus Christ is at work in your life, he'll never be just enough. He's always more than enough. How could my soul ever forget that he crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercies? Well, I'm guaranteeing you that our soul forgets that. Because we're walking around discouraged and defeated down in the dump, does God even care? Does He even know? You've forgotten something. That He surrounds you. Doesn't the Lord see what's going on in my life? How hard this is? And we complain and we grumble. I do it too. Things aren't looking so good in life right now. That's our perspective. But we've forgotten that He only deals with us in loving kindness and tender mercy. Are you, are you hearing this tonight? How could our soul forget that? When we think of His grace and we think of His goodness to us, and we really grip that, we can't help but say like David, Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless His holy name. Notice verse 5 who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. As a saint, he satisfies me. Here's a benefit. Our gracious Heavenly Father gives His children the good things in life. Now, He doesn't always give us what we want because He knows better. But He always gives us what is best for our good, our spiritual good in His glory. That's why Romans 8.28 says all things, even the bad things in life, all things work together for good to them that love God. Those who rest in Him and draw their strength from Him are going to find that they are in a state of constant renewal and spiritual stamina in this life even going through the hard things. Now, when he says, the psalmist says, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, he's talking about basically uh, your, your age, your life. And it could be a reference here to even in old age, after we've lived a long time, we can still be spiritually strong and be renewed in the Lord. And the meaning here, when he says, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles, the meaning here is simply that the strength 
of the psalmist in old age became like the strength of the eagle, sustained by the bounty of God in his old age, he became, as it were, young again, renewed. And those who are drawing their life and satisfaction from the Lord, they're going to have a youthful spirituality to them that allows them and enables them to be able to soar above the difficulties of life like the mighty eagle. The thought is parallel to Isaiah 40 and verse 31. Turn over there. Isaiah 40 and verse 31. In this whole passage here, towards the end of Isaiah chapter 40, he talks about how powerful God is. In verse 28, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the Creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There is no searching of His understanding. He giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, He increaseth strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Very powerful passage of Scripture. Even the young men who are strong, who are, who are, who are uh, vitality to them, and energy and strength, even the young men are going to faint and they're going to fall. Eventually, in your own strength, you're going to run out of strength. That's what he's saying. But... They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Interesting words going on here. The word wait, they that wait upon the Lord. It means to wrap yourself around. It means to tie yourself together. Those that are wrapped around the Lord, those that tie themselves to the Lord, he says, those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. The word renew, it's not used in the same sense here where we're like, oh, it's revived. Oh, it's replenished. Oh, it's restored. No, it means to exchange. And so get the word picture. Those that wrap themselves around the Lord exchange their own strength for the Lord's strength, and that causes you to mount up with wings as eagles, to run and not be weary, to walk and not faint. Because the young men, even them, in their own strength, they're going to fall. And so your strength is not renewed in the sense of, oh, I'm more vital. No, my strength is gone, and it's replaced with the Lord's. Even in old age. Amen. You can have spiritual vitality and vigor. That's the thought here. He satisfieth thy mouth with good things. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Sometimes the soul forgets the great blessings of the Lord, doesn't it? And when it does, we need to be reminded of how good He is to us. Man, He saved my soul. Not only has He saved my soul, but He doesn't leave me to flounder. In the flesh, I can become discouraged and defeated and even depressed. God doesn't want me to stay there. He's got an answer for that. 
In fact, He wants me to be revived and renewed with spiritual vitality. Amen? And He protects me. He wraps me up with loving kindness and tender mercies. How can our soul forget how good God is? When it does, it's time for us to seek the Lord and be reminded of the great things that He's done. Let me ask you the question as we close tonight. Have you become so caught up in the burdens and problems of life that you've forgotten the benefits of your life? Maybe that's how you came to church tonight. Your mind's all wrapped up with other things. Maybe there's some struggles or some burdens. Maybe you've allowed others and their actions to have such power over you that you forget how good your life actually is because of the Lord. I wonder how many of us are really in a place where our soul is truly blessing the Lord. Like David, bless the Lord, O my soul. We can and we will if we don't let our soul forget all of His benefits. Amen? Let's ask the Lord to help us. He's good. He's always good. And let's praise Him for it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, encourage Your people tonight. And, you know, it's a busy week and people are tired. But I pray that these truths would go a lot deeper than just the surface. Lord, that we'd think on how good You really are to us. And Lord, we praise You for Your faithfulness. We praise You for Your tender mercies, Your work in our life, how You deal with our soul. And Lord, I pray that You'd help us to love You more. In Jesus' name, Amen.